Agatep's back as well. And then um, it's uh, my newest niece, Chloe's first Sunday here. Good to see them. Praise the Lord. And then for some of you um, uh, who haven't seen, maybe on social media uh, as well, um, Natasha uh, gave birth this week. So to a healthy boy, uh, James Victor Chamberlain. So uh, we went to see them yesterday, baby's looking well, and he was 50 centimeters long, 3.5 kilos, and probably already longer and bigger than that, all right? So, but I uh, hope that you'd greet them. Uh, I know they weren't able to make it today, but just uh, greet them and just remember them. Their first, uh, first child, and so, so exciting to see uh, young families. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in, um, in verse 8. I think you're familiar with the first couple of verses there. It speaks about Joseph and Mary heading into Bethlehem. Of course, as uh, the ladies sang, really, as we think about Christmas, uh, let's not forget Jesus Christ, the reason for the season. And as we have our celebrations and have our family time that, that we don't forget about, um, the reason why we get to celebrate, the reason why we get to have joy and have rejoicing, it's because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that we keep that in mind and we don't get too carried away with the busyness and the, all of the hustle and bustle of the season, that we forget to spend some time uh, just rejoicing in our Savior. And this morning, uh, I'm going to just uh, think about here in verses, uh, starting in verse 8, I'm going to look at uh, another group of characters. Uh, characters that were involved in the Christmas story. Uh, let's look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Uh, thank you, Lord God, for this, um, this wonderful uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, just reminding us, dear God, of the, uh, Lord, of the, the story of your, your birth, the miracle of it, and then also, Lord, the, the characters that were surrounding, Lord, what was the the, really the epicenter of, of your will and your, your grand design of a Savior coming into the world. And I pray to God that you'd help us this morning as we open your word to, to learn some things that will help us, Lord, encourage us 
And I pray to God that, Lord, we just, would just be mindful of our need this morning of you. And dear God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to perhaps even make some resolutions today that'll help us into uh, this season, but certainly, Lord, into the new year. And we commit to these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And I just want to give you a thought here about these shepherds abiding in the field. And really today, it's, it's, um, it's going to be a time of just devotion as we think about this passage of Scripture. We'll turn to one more Scripture in a little while. But really here in the middle of the greatest story ever told, whilst Mary and Joseph welcomed baby Jesus into the world, some shepherds were simply minding their own business. They were just going about what would they would normally do on this particular evening. And really unbeknownst to them, they were about to be thrust into the narrative that would change the world and impact history forever. And, you know, as we think about that, I believe that there's no, other, no one that's so insignificant that God forgets about them. You know, if you look around our world today, there's, there's probably those who are feeling that way. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling that way. Maybe you're, you're thinking no one notices you. Uh, there's certainly people all around the world, those who are poor and needy. And, and I hope at this time, uh, particularly those, those uh, who are destitute and are need in our society are, are well within your hearts and you're thinking about them. Uh, but th- there are those in our world today who have no spotlight, who, who are just going about their own business as it were and, and just going about living their life. But, you know, there's no one that's so insignificant that God forgets about them. You understand? I believe that God often demonstrates that by, by choosing shepherds and giving them the spotlight. As we read here, we know that these shepherds were just doing their thing. They were just with the sheep. They were just hanging about doing what they would normally do on this particular night. But here God chooses to go to them and announce this great thing that had just occurred. And if you look at Scripture, God does that this often. He, he did this, if you think about it, with Moses. Moses, who was miraculously preserved from being, uh, being killed, Moses was, was highlighted by God, not when he was a prince of Egypt, but as a shepherd on the backside of the desert. You think about this with David. He did this with David. And, and David was highlighted, in, uh, not when he was the king on the throne, but as the youngest lad entrusted with his father's sheep. And then he did this with Jesus, not highlighting the fact that he is the prince of peace and the king of kings, but he was exalted as the good shepherd that goes seeking for his lost sheep. And so God is trying to highlight for us here this morning in this very familiar Christmas story that he's in the business of highlighting those whom the world has so often forgotten about. He exalts those who are lowly, those that the world deems perhaps as even foolish to bring him glory and remind everyone that, that God Himself is no respecter of persons. And so we're going to examine these humble Christmas shepherds today and learn some lessons that caused them, I believe, to be noticed by God and used then to bring praise and glory and honor to the Savior. And again, maybe you're here today and you're thinking no one sees you. Maybe you think that you're, you're too insignificant. Maybe you're too young. You're too weak. You're too untalented. You're too unattractive to be used by God. But the reality is this. God sees you. God sees you. You're not insignificant to God. More than that, He sees some qualities that He's drawn to that will cause you to be thrust into the narrative of God's perfect will 
in your life. And we're going to learn some principles here from the Christmas shepherds. And firstly, I want you to note here in verse 8, notice in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And, you know, I think about that. It's a pretty apt description of what shepherds do, right? They're out in the field with their sheep. And I want you to note firstly here that, that good things come to those who are consistent. You see, those shepherds, they had a duty to perform. They were meant to be where they were meant to be, and they were found right there. And, you know, shepherds were typically found near their sheep, right? It's pretty obvious that as shepherds, that was part of their responsibility. It was part of who they were as, as, as a group of people there. And they were consistent to the description that Scripture gives them. And, and I think consistency is a trait that we can learn from these shepherds. Someone once said that consistency is far better than rare moments of greatness. Maxwell said, we are what we, we, are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And you know, for us as Christians, we might be looking at ourselves and we might be thinking, well, I am insignificant. There's, there's some things that I'm not able to do. There's some things that, that I look at others and they seem to be much better than me in that. But you know what God's looking for? He's not just looking for talent. He's looking for some consistency, for some people to just be found doing what they're meant to be doing. You, you could be the most talented employee. You could be the most, uh, most uh, good-looking husband. You could be the best manager. You could be the best person in your position. But if you aren't consistent in what you do, that won't matter. And so notice here two ways that the shepherds were consistent. Firstly, they were consistent in their duty. All right, they, they, the shepherds were doing what was expected of them. Now, we might think that that's, uh, that's, that's a given, but, you know, often is the case that, that as we examine ourselves as Christians, if we would just simply do what we are meant to do, then I believe God would, would allow us to be used of Him. If we would just ha simply have the mentality that we would just fulfill our, our simple God-given responsibilities, then I believe that God would have, a, would have a place for us. And often what happens is we fail in the most basic elements of fulfilling our expected duties. You know, how, how is it that, that uh, we ask to be used of God or we ask to be noticed of God, and yet so often we neglect the duty of even reading His Word, of even coming to a, to a time of gathering where we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, they, the, what I'm saying is these shepherds, they knew what their role entailed, and they were simply doing what was required. It's pretty simple. In Mark 14.8, speaking of, uh, about Mary, it says here, she hath done what she could. And you know, God is just looking for people who will do what is expected of them. And you know, here today, as we think about this Christmas season, uh, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, a, a time where we, we perhaps break from schedule. Or we break from the norm of, uh, of the working week per se, and we uh, perhaps have some time uh, away from that, some time with family. Let's not neglect... Let's not neglect those things that are our responsibilities. Those things that God is expecting of us. Let's not neglect, uh, in, as we come into the new year, those things that are just the things that we ought to do. 
See, God, good things come to those who are consistent in those things. In Ephesians 4.1, the Bible tells us, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, in, in, in the context of that chapter, we're going to see the vocation there speaking about keeping the unity in the church. But you think, think about that word vocation, it, it's got to do with our calling. It's got to do with who we are and what, we are, uh, what our responsibilities are. And God's exhorting us this morning to, to do those things, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And what I'm asking this morning, firstly, is as Christians, are we consistent in our duties? Are we consistent to do the things that God has called us to do? Are we consistent in our walk with God? Are we consistent in our service for God? Are we consistent in the, in the duties of the, of the Christian life, of prayer, of witnessing, of, of being a good testimony, of being loving one to another? Those things that are baseline minimum to what God expects of us. You see, the, 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 the shepherds were in the field abiding. They were where they were meant to be. They were consistent in being with the sheep. They were consistent in their duty. And really, they were consistent in their place. The shepherds were, 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 they were there where they were supposed to be. Literally, I think that we would be better Christians if we would just be where we are meant to be. If we would just be where we're supposed to be. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, verse 8, As a bird that wandereth from her, her nest, so, so is a man that wandereth from his place. You know, each and every one of us, God has given a specific calling and a specific role uh, in His plan. You know, not all of us here uh, are, are called to be pastors. Not all of us here are called to be missionaries. But I'm glad for those who are today are in their place. You, you think about all of our, our missionaries all around the world who serve so faithfully. They're in their place. They're consistent in that. I'm glad for that. But how about us as Christians? You know, where, where you have responsibility, there you should be. And I'm speaking to this, uh, this, this morning to you husbands who are meant to be those that are uh, beside their wife, supporting your family, spending time with them. And it's so, so, uh, it could be so tempting uh, during this time when we have some extra time to just spend it in the leisure for ourselves. But really, where's your place? You ought, to be, you ought to be in the home. You ought to be leading and guiding your family. And maybe the, those of you who are a, a, a wife today, a mother, where's your place? Are you consistent in that? And you might be thinking, well, how's God using me? Just be consistent in your place. Just be consistent in God, what God has given you. Play the, uh, play the role that God has given you. And then, you know, as, as Christians, I'm glad that you're here this morning. It is, uh, it is part of our uh, our consistency, our expectation from God that we gather together when, the, when, when it's time to assemble. The Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And, and it ought to be that we find our place. You know, sometimes we look at, uh, we look at the, the holiday season as an excuse not to be consistent in our place in the local church. But we ought to be careful about that. A pastor once said to a man in town, when you were born, your mother brought you to church. When you were married, your wife brought you to church. When you die, your friends will bring you to church. Why not try coming to church on your own sometime? 
All right, and we ought to bring ourselves to church, and we ought to be in our place, and we ought to just be faithful to the to our gathering together as we come to be edified, as we come to worship God. And I'm glad that you're here. I hope that that you would come along as we have this season, and and perhaps even this morning make some commitments. You know, usually this time is a time that we start to think about our New Year's resolutions. Maybe it's a good time to re- uh, resolve in you that you will be consistent in your place in the local church. So this Christmas and over this summer season, will, be, will you be found in your place? Um, on holiday, will you faithfully seek to gather with God's people in your place or will you just spend it in leisure? Do you purposely ensure that you will be with your family, your place of service or your place of worship? See, the, the shepherds were abiding in the field. They were, they were found where they were meant to be found. They were in their place. And so good things, firstly, come to those who are consistent. Secondly, good things come to those who take advantage of opportunities. And you think about the situation here. They, they were just minding their own business. They were just doing what they were always uh, doing. They were with their sheep. And yet this unusual thing happens. There's a great announcement. An angel of the Lord comes upon them in, in verse 9. And this, the glory of the Lord shines round about them. The angel announces the, the birth of a Savior. And there, the sign with which they were to follow. And then to top it all off, the, the angelic host, the multitude of the heavenly host comes about them and makes this grand announcement about the Savior. And, and you know, this came suddenly. This came without any real forward planning. They, they knew this was something that didn't come along too often. Uh, this came with this heavenly announcement. And, and this opportunity was now for them to respond to, to something that God had given them. To respond to something that was unusual. Something that had come about in their life. And I think we owe much to the opportunities that, that come along our way. But you know, opportunities are only good if they're taken, Right? The shepherds, they responded, of course, you, you would, you, if you plug yourself in the story, imagine seeing this angelic host. They, they initially responded in fear, and yet the response to them was this, fear not. This, this was an encouragement to, for them to pay attention. The shepherds understood that this was a one-time only deal. And yet too often, when God brings along opportunities for our betterment, uh, for our, our, our greater involvement in His plan, too often we don't think about it as an opportunity. Sometimes we even think about it as a burden. God, why are you changing my plans? God, why are you changing uh, the, the, the norm of my life? Why are you disrupting what I would be comfortable with? And yet we often see that God does that uh, not, to, not to rob us of, of the thing that is good for us, no, but to direct us to the thing that's good for us. See, more often than not, someone said, being brave means doing it scared. And sometimes when God changes our plan, we just got to continue on anyway. We got to respond in faith. And, and certainly the, the shepherds did this. And, you know, the opportunities come our way. And, and, you know, sometimes we have an option of taking it or leaving it. I remember a, a, a time I was, a, I was a, a really young man and I was... Uh, I had gone out with a bunch of friends to the Easter show. And I remember I'd spent all day there, and, and it was closing up. 
and it was going to the end of the, the evening and I was walking past this particular game. And if you know me a little bit, you know that summer and, and all of that for me is all about one thing, cricket, okay? Now, you might not agree with me. You might call me a heretic, but save that for later, right? But during this East, particular Easter show, we, everything was closing up. I was walking past the game and it was a cricket game. And so I walked past it, and the, the, the guy that was running the game, he said, hey, uh, come this way. You, you play cricket? I'm like, how do you pick me, you know? I, I must just look like a cricket. Anyway, um, what it was is I looked like a, a fool later, but you'll see. So I, I got the, I, the game was this. You had to throw the ball. It was on a string. You had to throw the ball, and on the way, on the way towards the wickets, you had to miss the wickets. On the way back, you had to hit it. So he said, look, I'm closing up. Um, what about this? If you just pay for one game, um, if, you, if, you, if you do it, double or nothing. So what he was saying was this. Pay for one game, you can get the biggest toy as a prize. So I did it. I, I did it. And first go, sure enough, I hit that thing. And he said, look, if you do it a second time, I'll give you your money back. So I said, it's easy. So I did it again. And this time, I swung the ball, and it swung back, and it missed. And I'm thinking, oh, man. He goes, look, look, I'll tell you what. If you do this again, I'll not only give you the toy and your money back, I'll double your money. And I'm like, okay. So I played another game. And so I went again, and I swung the ball again, and it, it was coming. I'm like, it's, it's doing it. And it came back, and I missed again. And he said, look, pay for another game. And... Four times this guy got me. And at the end of it, I'm like, I thought that was an opportunity. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we think, we, we think about the things that God brings to us, opportunities. And, you know, in life, there's, there's false opportunities. But when God gives you an opportunity, His promises are more than you can ever expect. He's not going to rob you. He's not going to make you miss out. No, He's directing you to something that is even greater. And you know, I understand that often in life, we make the opportunities. Okay, we work, we labor to get opportunities. However, occasionally God will, will, will just pluck us out of obscurity and give us something to do, and we must respond courageously to take it. And I think next year, as you think about, uh, as you think about um, next year, I, I hope, and I hope that you're thinking about some opportunities that you might have for the Lord. I hope that you're asking God to, to do something even greater in your life. And, and I hope that in those times when God does say something and does, God does give you something, that you would respond not just in fear but in faith. And, and opportunity is often really, as you think about these shepherds, found in the middle of being consistent. See, the shepherds got this because they were consistent. They, they got this because they were in their place of service. And you know, many don't find opportunities because they aren't where, where opportunities are being found. They're not working hard. They don't have a vision. They don't seek after it. I think about the different characters in the Bible. I think about Gideon, who, who in the midst of a, a downturn in the, uh, in the spiritual life of the nation, was going there and he was, he was hiding away from the enemy. He was threshing wheat to provide for his own. I think about Elisha, when, when Elijah was called to go find Elijah, that Elisha was just 
plowing away with his, uh, uh, in his father's field with those bullocks. They were found busy doing something. They were in the place of consistency. And opportunity is often found in the middle of being consistent. Opportunity that makes you respond at first in fear, they're often the best ones to take. You think about what happened here with the shepherds. This, again, you see it in Scripture. They, they responded in fear. Why? Because this was something big. This was something that was just beyond the norm. And yet, those ones that make you tremble a bit, they're usually the best ones to take. The biggest mountains or the biggest giants often make the biggest stories and the biggest trophies. And, you know, we ought to challenge ourselves. And we, ought to, we ought to desire for our lives not just to be consistent, but for, us to go, for God to use us, for God to work in our lives. And I hope that you'd seek that out. And, and even, even as, as we sit here, you understand that, that, that God might be seeking you out for something. He might be seeking to use you. He might be seeking to call you. He might be seeking to, to work in your life. He might be seeking to promote you, to grow you. But you know, all of that can at times and most of the time comes with a great cost. Look at Matthew chapter 20 and here's another story. Here now, the Lord Jesus further on in His ministry, working with His disciples. And notice what He says to His disciples. Matthew chapter 20. And notice verse 20, then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. So there, there's a group of them worshiping him and desiring certain things of him. And notice what he said unto her, what wilt thou? So he asked, what, what would you like me to do? She saith unto him, grant that these two, my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. So he, they're asking for an opportunity. They're asking for a position there and then he, this is what he says. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. They didn't understand the picture that God was giving them. That Jesus was saying, This is going to cost you. The, the cup was speaking about his suffering. The baptism was speaking about his death. And he's saying, Do you, do you understand what you're asking? And they foolishly said, we are able. And he said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And he's saying, that's not your place, but you are going to go through some things. You know, as you follow me, you will suffer some things as I do. You're going to drink of the cup. You will be baptized of the baptism of which I am baptized with. And and what he was simply telling them and what he was simply reminding them that, that if you want promotion, if you want growth, if you're going you're gonna to take advantage of the opportunities that I'm going to give you, it's going to come at a cost. It's going to come with a response of faith, even in those times where we're gonna, we're, it's going to cost you. And you know, God in His grace, if you think about it, often withholds all the details from us so that we would, just, we would, we would be able to bear it. You know, I, I remember when... when um, God called me to the ministry. I didn't know what it all entailed. All I knew was this, I had to obey Him. I didn't know what, what, uh, what things I had to go through, some of the rejection, some of those things that were, were hard to be understood. And what I'm saying is God may want to do something great in your life in the new year. He, he might give you a call. He might give you a promotion. For some of you, He might give you a relationship. 
But, you know, those things can sometimes be the ones that give you cause to pause. And I want to I just say, take it. Respond in faith, not in fear. But then also, opportunity that God gives comes with His instructions. You see, when He unraveled this to the, the simple shepherds, these Christmas shepherds, he, he gave them some things. He said, this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe. He was giving them some specifics. And an opportunity that God gives comes with His instructions. And, and I'm reminded again that, that we do have the answers as God's people. That He didn't leave us to our own devices to be able to understand life. That He's given us some pointers to follow. An opportunity that God gives comes with His instructions. I, I think about Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so as we, uh, as we, as we look for opportunity, as we allow God to give us the opportunities, let's be instructed by Him. Let's follow on. God's Word is the compass that will direct your path to fulfillment and joy. And so good things come to those who take opportunities that God gives them. And then lastly, and really quickly, we see in verses 15 to 16, notice there, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. So the announcement was done. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even, uh, even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us, and notice this, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And the thing is this, lastly, good things come to those who respond to God's revelation. And, and God revealed some things to them, and, and maybe in your life God has revealed some things to you through His Word. It, it may not come in a, uh, it probably won't come in an angelic announcement. But it will come through His Word. It will come through as you, you pray, as you sit under the preaching of the Word of God. But, you know, good things come to those who respond then to God's revelation. When, when they heard here, they spoke amongst themselves. And really what they did was they dropped everything in that moment to go see what God had revealed to them. They went to see Jesus. And, and I want to I just finish off this morning by encouraging you to respond to God's Word. Respond to God's revelation in your life. Respond to the things that God is giving you. We ought to, we ought to be the type of people that seek after Him with our whole heart, but then respond to Him with our whole heart. You know how many of us here have sat uh, under the, the preaching of the Word of God and over and over again, God is trying to get a hold of you. God is trying to tell you to respond and we go away, and rather than acting out on what God has impressed upon our hearts, we sort of just go about and we let it, we let it flicker away and dim in our lives. God's speaking to you. We ought to be the type of people like the shepherds who responded, who responded to God's revelation. The Bible tells us in, in Jeremiah 29, 13, Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Are you the kind of uh, a person this morning who, who gives God first place, gives God priority? See, they sought Him with priority. When the revelation came, the, the things that, that, that were announced came, they dropped everything. They came with haste, the Bible says. 
And I want to encourage you to give God the priority of your life each day. Give God first place. Let Him uh, have first claim of your lives. And, and you know, that would be a great resolution every year. Give God first claim. Uh, church, this morning, do we have a loving God or not? Do we have a God who, who has a heart to, uh, to, to bless us, to, to love us, to use us for His glory or not? We do. We have a loving Father. And why is it then that we can't trust Him with our lives? Why is it then that we allow other things to, to fulfill the, the priorities, to fill the, the, the top spot in our lives? Why is it that so many other things fill the first place? And yet when God wants to change our plans, He ought to be our priority. We ought to give God first claim. They sought Him with priority. They, they sought Him with purpose. See, the, shepherd, the shepherds had to purposely put everything else on hold just to seek Jesus. And too often in our Christian lives, we just sort of bound uh, aimlessly from one thing to the next when God's giving us direction. God's giving us purpose. God's giving us something to fulfill. You know, if the initial response that's most important, really, is this. They, they not only sought Him with priority and purpose, but they sought Him with faith. You see, the initial response that was most important is this belief. They believed what was announced. They believed what was said. And they sought Him with faith. See, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to approach God with faith. In Romans 10, 17, 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so as God reveals things in his word, it, it, ought, to, it ought to produce faith in our lives. It ought to produce belief, and we ought to, we ought to respond to God's speaking to our lives. And firstly, believe in Him for salvation. You know, you're here if you're saved this morning. You're here because someone told you perhaps how it is that we have a Savior who loves us, who willingly laid down His life on the cross. Why? Because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And when we understood that, we believed that, and we were saved. In Romans 10, 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and I love this, thou shalt be saved. I want to remind you this morning that none of us here deserve heaven. See, the Bible tells us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, You've never believed in Him. You've never turned to Him for your salvation. You're relying on your good works. You're relying on your fa family lineage. You're relying that, that somehow the scales of your good and bad will, will, will lean towards the good. Then let me just tell you this morning that that's not what God looks for. God looks for one who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God looks for one who will turn to the, the Savior who lived a perfect life who willingly sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary and paid the price for you and I. And I hope that there's been a time where you confess in your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I hope there was a time where you believed in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. And maybe today, maybe you're thinking, well, well, God probably doesn't know me. He doesn't know my sin. Hey, listen, the Bible tells us that, that, that God does know that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and here this morning, God is well aware of your sinful condition. That is the reason why He sent His only begotten Son to die on your stead on the cross. And this morning, I want to implore you to respond to God's revelation of that and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then also, we need to believe in Him for service. You see, sometimes when we consider serving God, we think, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm not talented enough. Well, listen, we need to believe in Him for service. See, God told us that He creates us for His workmanship unto good works. In fact, I want to say boldly this morning that God designed you to serve Him. God designed you to give Him glory. And in fact, in all of that, it's by His grace in Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You see, the fact of the matter is we're just limited human beings. And we serve an almighty, all-powerful God. And even in serving Him, we must do it through Him. It's got to be through Him. And we've got to sort of surrender. See, the Bible tells us that, that it's our reasonable service to, to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. We are to ought to lay down our lives. And see, significance to God is really preceded by faith in a God who's able. And, and maybe this morning, you're probably thinking, well, what do I have to offer? Well, maybe just surrender it to God. Well, maybe just, just remember that God is, is able to work in your life. And so the shepherds, they responded to the revelation of God in their lives. And maybe this morning, for you and I, it might just be a time of renewing that commitment to respond to Him. Maybe you'll head into the year and, and maybe God will do something in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've heard the gospel over and over again. And the Bible says this, today is the day of salvation. Why don't you respond in faith? Why don't you respond believing? You see, if we would be plucked from obscurity, and plugged into God's plan. If we would desire to be used of God and have our lives profitable to Him, then let's put into practice what we learned here through the Christmas shepherds. Good things come to those who are consistent. Maybe, maybe just, just uh, resolve to be faithful, to be found doing your duty, to be found in your place. Good things come to those who take advantage of opportunities. And if God gives you something to do, then do it with your priority. Uh, do, it, do it with all your heart. And good things come to those who respond. They respond to God's revelation. And maybe God's working in your, in your heart and you're resisting Him. Maybe it's in regard to salvation. Let me just say it starts there. You need to be saved. Uh, stop, stop putting that off. Stop thinking that you have more. See, the Bible says uh, we, we can't boast of tomorrow for we know not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what a day will bring. God doesn't guarantee us another day. He guarantees us now. And maybe today, today you need to believe in Him for salvation. Maybe today you would just uh, respond knowing that God would have you serve Him in some way. Don't, don't delay. Respond to what God would have for you. And, 
And let's learn from those shepherds abiding in the field. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And we just want to thank you, dear God, for this, uh, this opportunity that we have today. And, and Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand that, Lord, each time your word is open to us, that, you'd, that it is a time, it is an opportunity for us to just reflect on, on us, reflect on what you would have us to do. And so I pray, dear God, that, Lord, in this, um, even as we observe these characters in the Christmas story, that we would be th- these kind of people, Lord, who would desire and, and even, Lord, take advantage of, Lord, your calling and your, your, uh, your working in our lives. So I pray that you'd help us this morning as we, as we have this time of invitation. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the, the piano can begin to play. We're going to just have a time of invitation, a time of just seeking God and maybe you're here this morning and firstly I want to ask if you were to die today would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven that heaven's your home we spoke uh, we spoke about the Lord Jesus at the beginning of the message and you know the reason he came was to seek and to save that which was lost the Bible tells us that if you're a sinner that means if you've broken God's law even at one point then you are a sinner that you are lost by, in your nature and, and you're here this morning and if you're a sinner who've, who's never called upon Christ to save them then you are in need of Him today maybe you're here today and you're not sure you're not sure where you will go when you die see the Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment I want to I ask you that question again if you were to die today would you know if you're not sure then I want to just encourage you, just with an uplifted hand, I just want to pray for you. I want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. Anyone at all? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've never uh, placed my trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure. Anyone this morning? Then Christian, I want to, I want to ask you are, are you, are you someone who wants to be used by God? Are there some things that you need to place back? Maybe your consistency. Maybe your faithfulness. Maybe, uh, maybe just in those opportunities that God has given you that you would respond. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're just saying, Pastor, just pray for me. The Lord spoke to me this morning. Anyone at all? The Lord spoke to me this morning. I see those hands. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. All right, let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. Let's have a time of just prayer this morning. Maybe the Lord spoke to your heart. Maybe you raise your hand. I want to encourage you to come to an altar this morning and to spend some time just seeking the Lord and, uh, and, and just uh, de- doing business with God this morning. If you raise your hand, I want to encourage you to come as we, as we have this time of invitation.